Good morning, everybody. There we go. All right, we are in Acts chapter 10 this morning. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there. And uh, I want to just do a kind of an extended preview of today's lesson. Um, if you think back in the Old Testament, there was a construct that was present, this framework in which God operated. And it, was, it started with Abraham uh, in this idea that God told Abraham, I'm going to be with you and your people. Um, and you progress through the Old Testament. And you see the people of Israel build a temple, uh, a tabernacle for God, for him to live in, for that's the place where his glory resides. Uh, And this is the framework that God operates in in the Old Testament. If you want to be with God, you go to where he is. And we, we go through the Old Testament, we go through the Old Testament, and we really don't see the concept of missionaries until you get to some of the prophets. And some of the prophets that went to other nations could be considered missionaries because they took this message of Yahweh and they went to other places. But when you get to the New Testament and you see Jesus, this idea that God is is not quite as stationary as he was in the temple. God is moving around and interacting with the people. You see this idea that God is actually with us. That's my Christmas link for today's lesson. Okay, there we go. And then you see when Jesus dies on the cross and is buried and rises again from the dead, and the Holy Spirit comes. And now this paradigm shifts completely. It goes from God is in this stationary place to God is within us. And God is is being moved out all across wherever we go. And this is totally different. This is a totally different way to interact with mankind. Going from go to where God is to... God is with you wherever you go. You may have heard that before, right? Some words. And, and in Acts chapter 10 and 11, our text for today, we see this mindset change in the lives of the apostles. Now think about this for a second. So Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob, uh, they happened, you know, 15, 1,600 years before Jesus shows up. So you've got all of this history used to this mindset of God is in this one place. Jesus comes, the Holy Spirit comes, all of that changes. It's going to take a little bit of time for the Jewish people to change their mindset about how God is interacting with them. Does that make sense? Do you think that it might be a slower process than just, oh, great, everything's different, we'll behave differently today? It's not going to happen that way. So in Acts chapter 10, we are still just a few weeks, weeks, mind you, a few months even, after Jesus has died. So all of this is still very new. You know, the apostles followed Jesus around for three years, and now he's gone. And, you know, it's like the ultimate final exam. The high school, stu- the high school and the college students just finished up their final exams. Praise Jesus, you're done, right, Jesse? That's right, okay. And you got all, all A's. How cool is that? Like, dang, throw down. That's how you do it. You take that calculus, and you just beat it into submission, okay? That's right. And... Uh, So we had this mindset change, and we'll see it today. Now, I'm going to give you a heads up. How many of you saw my post on the Facebook group earlier this week asking you to read the text before today's lesson? This is one of those texts where you read the text and you go, what in the world? Because we got sheets and animals being killed and Jewish guys traveling around and this guy named Cornelius. I mean, who names their kid Cornelius, right? I mean, it's just strange. So let's, and does anybody have a kid named Cornelius? Thank you, Jesus. You did not do that to your boy. I know that. All right, so that's my, that's my preview. When I was talking to, uh, 
And I was talking to Brian this morning. I got really excited because flip over your handout to the back side and you'll notice that there's one blank that's a little bit bigger today. Have you noticed that there's one that's a little bit bigger toward the bottom? It's a big deal. So I kind of made it a big deal. And uh, the big deal is that, that the paradigm, the mindset shift changes for the apostles today. When I say Jesus died for us, who can the us be defined as? It can be defined as all of us. That's even better, right? All of us in this room, does that count? Yes. All of us in this building, does that count? All of us in this state, does that count? All of us in this world, does that count? All of us in this world that have lived, are living, and will live. How's that? That's even a better definition. Well, us gets redefined in today's lesson. Because the apostles thought us meant the Jews. Because Jesus told them, I came for Israel, right? I, I came for the nation that God said, I am for you. They heard him say this. They heard him say a lot of other things as well. But let's look at, uh, I'm sorry, I missed the blank already. I'm so excited about getting to the back side of the handout that I just skipped the blank already. All right, so the front side of the handout, the first blank up at the top, the church welcomes all who believe. And this is a big deal. This is a really, really big deal. If you can ever wrap your head around this, it changes church. Okay? It totally changes church. Here we go. Acts chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea. Oh, look, you've got a map on your handout. Isn't that awesome? I just needed to take up more space, so I popped the map in there. That's kind of weird. So Caesarea is on the coast on the left side. Uh, there, there's a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion. So what's a centurion? He's an officer, right? And how many men did he command? How many? A hundred, yes. I love the Romans. They just made it easy. Your title was how many people you had. Really straightforward, you know, good stuff. So he commanded a hundred men. So this is not, uh, you know, somebody fresh out of the academy. I mean, this is somebody with some experience. This is somebody that knew what they were doing. A centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. So would you categorize Cornelius as a good guy? a neutral guy or a bad guy? So far, from what we know, he's a good guy, right? He's, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Okay. About the ninth hour of the day, this is 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he's, he saw clearly in a vision. Now, instantly, our Southern Baptist conservative nature kicks in, and we go, oh, visions. Ooh, I don't know about that. What was he smoking, right? Something weird's going on here. No, no, no. God, God talks to people like this sometimes. You know, He did it a lot in the book of Acts, and a lot of them wrote it down. Guess what? It's up to God how he communicates. I'm okay with that. All right. He saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid. Huh. No parallel to our story that we'll tell our kids next week, right? And said, what is it, Lord? And notice the lowercase l. Cornelius recognizes this is not God. So the angel said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa. So on the map there, if you look to the south of Caesarea, it's about 30 miles or so to Joppa. So this is a good little trip, a little longer than today. And send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Now think about this for a second. So I'm a guy that is in charge of 100 soldiers. 
I have some authority, I have some power. We'll see Cornelius' household here in a minute. He has, he has vast resources. And he gets told in a vision to go see a guy who's living with somebody else, which implies he doesn't even have his own house, right? And he will tell you what to do. So go find this homeless guy, and he will tell you what to do. Now, here's what I love about Cornelius. Verse 7, And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Because sometimes when you need a job done, you need a military man who will take orders and go do the job. And God went to a military man who would take orders, and he did the job. Cornelius was obedient. Very simple, right? Nothing fancy so far in the story. We're like, okay, yeah, whatever. Verse 9, the next day, so this is day two in our story. As they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. You're like, Jim, where are you getting this from, right? You got visions, you got trances. This is, it gets better, I promise. Verse 11, and he saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. So picture this. You're hungry. You're up on the rooftop of the house of a guy that you're staying with. You fall into a trance. You see a vision. The sheet is falling down from heaven. Four corners. You with me? How many of you like this story so far? It's like awesome stuff, right? Verse 12. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals. Because, of course, what else would the sheet have in it but animals, right? Wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him and said, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. But Peter said... No, Lord. It's like, anybody remember the last time that Peter said no to Jesus, what Jesus said? I think it was something akin to, get you behind me, Satan. Okay, it was not good. You don't, you don't say no to God. He said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Common means just, you know, my mama, um, she, she was born in Quebec, Canada. And she moved to the south when she was 18 years old. Um, and she picked up a lot of southern verbiage. We'll just put it that way. Uh, colloquialisms, euphemisms, that, those sorts of things. And uh, one of them was common. Okay. How many of you had a mama that used to call people common? Anybody have that? Uh, this is my mom's term for people who uh, knew and had the wherewithal to be clean not talking about any, any rich level here, but weren't. I decided to be dirty because I'm just common, okay? This is the word Peter uses here. It's just average every day. Now, if you think back to the Old Testament, you've got all of these, uh, these laws and commandments around what to eat, when to eat it, how to prepare it, how to sacrifice it, how to kill it, and there were some things that Jews were not allowed to eat. So somebody tell me one something that Jews were not allowed to eat. Pigs, yes, that's, a, that's probably the, the easiest one. And lobster, they couldn't eat lobster. That's exactly right. It was a problem. Shrimp, couldn't eat shrimp. What else? Catfish. I would say catfish are probably off the menu, yeah. Yeah. They couldn't. They, yeah, that's, that's Nick's. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about going there, Barry, but absolutely. They couldn't eat each other. Yes, they couldn't eat each other. Um, yes, it depended upon the hoof. If the hoof was cloven or uncloven, yeah, I grew up on the King James, sorry. And it depended if it was split hoof or not split hoof. I mean, it was just, you really had to 
you really had to know your animal, right? I mean, like, zoology 101 was important for a little Jewish boy. This is critical stuff to know. So the blank here is that Peter had observed all these dietary requirements his entire life. Uh, he held to the dietary constraints of the Old Testament. Dietary, D-I-E-T-A-R-Y. It's probably the only time I've ever put the word diet in my Sunday school notes ever. So don't expect to see it there in January either. We ain't talking about bod for God in this class, all right? Um, <clears throat> so, verse 15, and a voice spoke to him again the second time. Because God is persistent when we do the wrong thing. And I'm kind of glad he is, because if he wasn't, we'd still be pagans. So I'm glad he's persistent. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. And this was done three times. Now, we don't hear Peter say no the second time, but is there any reason for God to say it the third time if he didn't say no? It's kind of like, kill it and eat, Peter. No. Kill it and eat, Peter. No. Kill it and eat, Peter. Now, I remember somebody else talking to me three times about things. I think I'll stop being obnoxious now, right? So, Verse 16, this was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Verse 17, I love these little phrases. Dr. Luke, he was so kind. He is so kind in the New Testament. Now, when Peter wondered within himself, you think? I'd be wondering a little bit too, right? I just had a conversation in a trance on top of the roof when I'm hungry at this dude's house that I may or may not even know very well. Okay? He wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant. Nobody said Peter was the smartest guy in the room, okay? But if God told me, you're going to go kill and eat these animals three times, I'm not sure how complicated the interpretation of that would be, right? You go kill and eat these animals. It seems pretty straightforward, but Peter's a thinker, and he wants to think a little more. Behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. This is still day two. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. <laughs> That's hilarious. I never noticed the parallels between the Christmas story and this story. I'm reading it out. This is me thinking on my feet. Sorry. Some of you are looking at me like, what? Yes, it happened. Verse 20, Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews. I love this introductory comments because you know, they have no idea what Peter's fixing to tell them. Right? So they're setting Peter up for, he's a good guy. Don't do something crazy with us. All right? I mean, let's just be real here. He was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then Peter invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, verse 3, day 3, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Now, if you read through Acts, you'll notice this theme, that when somebody goes somewhere, they almost never go alone. Okay? They almost never did anything alone. This idea that we just hung out together, and when you needed help, when you needed help getting somewhere... When you needed help getting somewhere, there were people that you could just call, and they would come help you get there, and they would travel with you. Okay, so my, I learned something this week about my truck. I drive a 77 Ford F100. It is an awesome truck. The recycle value on the truck is probably worth more than the truck itself. I could, like, trade it in for the steel content of the vehicle. It's unreal. 
there is something that you, you have to put water in the radiator. There has to be, did you know this? That you have to have water in the radiator. Smoke comes out of it. It's unreal. I thought it was like July the 4th, all the smoke that was coming up under the hood. I pulled the thing over and I did the first thing that I knew to do. I got me and the iPad out of the truck. That's what happens. And the second thing I did is I called my wife and I said, I'm calling David Bandy. So I called David Bandy and he, he instantly knows exactly what the issue is and has already developed a plan in two minutes on the phone and then three minutes later he's on the way. I was like, that's cool. And these guys never did anything alone and I'm glad that we don't have to do things alone either because it makes a big difference. Amen? All right, so verse 24. And the following day, this is day four, they entered Caesarea. So the story starts in Caesarea. They go down to Joppa to pick up Simon Peter. They're back in Caesarea now. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Again, see the gatherings. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Ooh. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Whoa! Way to go on the application, Peter. Right? Because we went from God said don't call the animals unclean and the first thing Peter applies that to are people. You're like, wow. Go, Peter. There you go. And this is the Holy Spirit working, okay? So I don't want to give Peter too much credit. But Peter sees... <laughs> Sorry, Peter. I, I, we'll be friends in heaven one day, so we'll get to that. So Peter sees value in those who are not like him. This, I will call this phase one, all right? Because this is a transition, a mental transition that he's making here. He sees value. Verse 29, Peter's still talking. Therefore I came without objection. As soon as I was sent for, I asked then, for what reason have you sent me? Verse 30, so Cornelius said, and he proceeds to retell word for word what happened. I mean, it was brilliant. Verse 33, so I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear the things which God commanded, to hear the things commanded you by God. And so I got hung up on this yesterday a little bit. Because um, I don't know how many times you guys have gone to church, and you go to church, and you're like, okay, I'm here, I'm checking the box, I'm here on time, I've, I've got my stuff, I've got my Bible open, I'm listening, sermon, 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 invitation, okay, let's go eat lunch. Right? And Cornelius' attitude was, we're all here, and we're ready to listen to whatever God tells you to tell us. Now, that's a whole nother level. Okay, this is a, your, your blank is attitude. What a beautiful attitude to have when coming to hear God speak, right? Which is, I don't care what the message is. We're going to go do it. Now, I'll, I'll give you a, a cautionary word. It's a dangerous way to live your life, willing to do whatever God tells you to do. It is dangerous. It's a lot of fun. Because it's all up to God then. Bandy, who owns your truck? God does. Whose truck is it? If the truck blows up, what happens? He gets to fix it. Isn't that, it's, it's so much stress relief, right? It's like, okay, that's fine. It's his. He's got to deal with it. That's what he does. We just trust and obey. 
So we, it, I know it's like really simple, like the trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. You know, I'm not going to sing. It's as close as I come. Yes, Barry. So if we go back to 17. Where, back to 17. Chapter 17. Uh, uh, verse 17. Where God tells, or Jesus tells Peter three times. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter's just like us, where mm -hmm. we've tried to trust and we've tried to obey, but how many times do we pray, you know, I need some, a sign. Yes. I need, I need some, you know, something to say this is what you want. So. Pause right there for a second. At this point in human history, the New Testament has not been written. Peter didn't have all of these words written down, chapter and verse, that he could go reference it by. Okay? So, resume. So, just like us, Peter, I think, in, in verse 17 is, is like, okay, this is a weird thing. Yeah. And then the vision says, go. I need something else. It's just like us. Um, and in, in my version of the Bible, Peter's a lot much more fuller because he's putting one up and say this. Peter went down and said to the men, I think I'm the man you're looking for. What's up? What's up? <laughs> and Peter was a fisherman. I can totally see that coming across that way. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So you've got this beautiful attitude. I'm going to do whatever you tell us to do. It's just absolutely beautiful. Verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth. Now, if you're reading the book of Acts so far, every time you see this phrase, something cool is about to happen. Okay? Because in the Gospels, when Peter opened his mouth, he said or did something rash. In Acts, when Peter opened his mouth, the Holy Spirit is in control. And he has submitted his will to the Holy Spirit. And get ready, because it gets fun. In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Just, just soak on that for just a second. This is a Jewish man saying that all men are created equal and that all men are loved by God and that the gospel is for everyone. And this is huge. This is huge. This, to me, is where Peter gets the big picture. He's already gotten the individual picture that Jesus Christ died for him and that Jesus is different and is totally wholeheartedly worth following for the rest of my life. He's already got that. But now he gets, oh, that's for everybody. Us, for Peter, is redefined right here because before this, us meant the Jewish people. And now, us means everybody in all time, before, present, and after me. Everybody. The gospel is for everyone. Guess what, guys? We're the everyone. Because if Peter and the apostles hadn't had this mindset shift, it'd still been a Jewish thing. We're the Gentiles. We're the off-scouring, the scum, those that they didn't want to participate with. All right, This is a big deal. Verse 35, Peter continues, But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Wow. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. The word, that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, 
even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who is ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And everybody said, amen, holy cow. If you want the whole gospel, everybody talks about the full gospel. That's it, that paragraph right there, that's it. You got somebody, you want to go, what do you believe? Well, just show them this little excerpt from Peter, because that sums it all up right there. So verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit (laughs) fell upon those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision, parentheses, the Jews, who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter because of the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues or languages and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? See how the door is opening further and further. So they've received it. They've they've accepted Jesus. The Holy Spirit is indwelling them. They're being baptized. This door is getting open and open. Verse 48, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they asked him to stay a few days. You think? We want to know more about this guy. We want to know more about what to do and how to live and how to be like him. And now, verse 11. So what we've talked about so far, just a quick recap. This construct in the Old Testament, God is in one place. This construct in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit comes, God is with us wherever we go. Peter now gets it, but there's still a problem. Peter's one guy, and there's a lot of other apostles. Chapter 11 is the other guys get it. Okay, so here we go. Verse 1. Now the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision, the Jews, contended with him. What does your translation say? Criticized. Called him on the carpet. You know why? Because the gospel's not for them. They're still in the old mindset that the gospel is for us. Now think about this, and, and, and you, you kind of got to, you have to change some rules. Um, I took a class in college called non-Euclidean geometry, and the basis of the class was that everything that you learned in high school geometry was wrong. We're going to change all of those basic rules that Euclid said where lines are parallel and triangles have three sides and circles are round. If we redefine everything, what are the repercussions of that? Yeah. Lots of C's on tests were the repercussions for that for me, is what it was. But, but they've redefined the core concept of how they interact with God. It's going to take a while. And I love what Peter's response is here. I'm sorry, verse, verse 3, they, they, they explain to him, they're criticizing him, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. Rewind. Who else was criticized like this? Jesus. Also had that. Now, you're in a good spot when people are throwing the same criticisms that you that they did at Jesus. You're doing something right here. Okay, so this is good. Verse four. But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, and he recap. I'm not going to read the whole thing again because it would be three times telling the story. Goes through the entire story. Verse eighteen. When they heard these things, they became silent. Now think about this for just a second, because they're, they're experiencing something that is fundamentally different than their core understanding of God. 
And this will rattle you when this happens to you in your life. Because you'll go, whoa, I thought I believed this over here, but I'm seeing this happen. What's the difference here? They heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Guess what? The door just flung open, and they all got it at that point. Because it was just a, a Simon Peter thing, and he told them the story, and the Holy Spirit did a work in their hearts, and now they all get it. That the gospel is for everybody. Have I said that today yet? Did I mention that? You know what the big blank at the bottom is? The gospel is, I want you to write it as largely as you can to fill up the entire box with the word everyone. Everyone. Everyone for all time. That is the good news. I promise you, that is the good news. So, I'm going to go back up. I couldn't wait any longer. It was just boiling up. I had to give you the big blank. All right? So, go back up. So right above the word apply, what's the point? Since the gospel is for everyone, our challenge is to be as inclusive as we can. So when the rich guy that you can't relate to sits down next to you at church, guess what? The gospel's for him. When the poor guy that smells a little weird sits down to you next to church, guess what? The gospel is for him. The little babies in the nursery, the gospel. And the gospel is not just a one-time thing, guys. It's every single... I've got to have the gospel right now. Right now. Because that is the power that gives me any... Because <laughs> I know me, all right? I know how completely, ridiculously, obnoxiously unworthy I am to stand up in front of anybody and talk about anything. But the gospel changes all that. It's just fantastic. I, I, it's good news is like the most understated term in the whole world. It's phenomenal news. It's fantastic news. There's no better news than that. I'm on my tiptoes here. You see this? There's no better news than that. I can't stand any higher and say it any louder. That's it. It's awesome. So what's the point? Well, number one, one man's obedience helped to change church history. Cornelius listened to God in this really weird thing, and he went and did it. And that, you've seen dominoes, right? You ever seen the movie uh, V for Vendetta? Uh, that's a weird transition, wasn't it? Yeah. I saw like 10 heads go, what? Did you just go to there? Really? Yeah. There's this phenomenal domino scene at the end where he kicks off one domino, and it's like, I don't know how many times they had to retake it, and I feel sorry for all the prop guys that had to stand up all those dominoes. But it is beautiful. And it, this whole thing, and that's what Cornelius did. He kicked off the dominoes, and all the apostles got it. Number two, some passages don't make sense in isolation and require some soak time. This was one of those for me. Required a little soak time. Because I got hung up on the sheet and the animals and what the Italian regiment meant and all that stuff. And the point was the gospel is for everybody. <laughs> okay. Number three, there were some theological deficiencies in the disciples early on. Now remember, this series is entitled The Birth of the Early Church, right? How many of you ever had kids? Did your kids come out knowing everything they didn't know? No. Did you have to tell them more than once? Yes, they did. They, yeah, they thought they came out knowing everything they needed to know, right? But you have to tell them over and over and over and over again. And the book of Acts is this process of God telling the apostles and the leaders in the church over and over and over and over and over again through the power of the Holy Spirit. The gospel's for everybody. The gospel's for everybody. Go and tell. The gospel's for everybody. Go and tell. The gospel's for everybody. 
So we're going to cut them a little bit of slack because their whole paradigm had to shift to get this. All right? So there's some theological deficiencies with the early church. Everybody wants to be like the early church. Have you seen the letters that Paul wrote to them? There's some crazy stuff going on. Careful, careful. Number three. I'm sorry, number four. You already got this, right? Did you miss this? E-V-E-R-Y-O-N-E. Everyone. Everyone, everyone, everyone. So what do I do with that? Well, number one, be obedient to the word of God in your life. Um, if it's not in your life, please get it in your life. It's like walking around on battery power with a notebook. Right? It's going to run out. You're going to be tired. You not have energy source. You've got to plug in to the word of God. Number two, meditate on the more difficult passages and give the Holy Spirit time to work and illuminate. Not all Bible study is easy. Say very little Bible study is easy for me, actually. So, number three, be open to have your theology tweaked by the Word of God. That's where we get it. We should be subject to it. I know we have bullet points and lists and numbers, and this is what we believe, and acrostics, and, and that's great, but we don't have everything figured out, and that's okay. And then number four, see everyone is savable and share with everyone because the gospel is for everyone. I got one. The gospel is for everyone. No, no. The gospel is for everyone. Amen? Amen? I'm pumped about this. All right? I'm pumped about this. And it all started because God wanted to be with us in the form of Jesus Christ. And that's Christmas. Christmas is the kicking off of the concept that the gospel is for everyone. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So at your table. Got a spot for prayer requests. Got a spot for everybody's name who is here today. Thank you so much for coming. We have several visitors here today. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you being here. And uh, pray as a table over those prayer requests. And we will see you January the 8th, 2012. No Sunday school next week. No Sunday school the week after that. I know. I'm totally going to teach one and put it online. So I can't go that long without teaching one. And I'll send you an email link to it. Don't worry about it. Uh, but then uh, January the 8th, we'll be back in this room having class again. God bless you. Have a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, and, but mostly Merry Christmas. All right? Cool. Thanks, guys.